Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. This is a reading from the 10th chapter, the 22nd verse. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So we come to the fourth Sunday in the fourth week of Easter, and uh, notice there's been a sharp transition uh, with the gospel reading for this week. Uh, we have been uh, focused on um, the sacrificed lamb, um, the lamb of God, uh, from before Easter, as we went through Holy Week to Good Friday, and then Easter uh, Sunday, and then first, second, and third Easter are about resurrection appearances, the sacrifice that was offered on our behalf, the risen Lord, risen in power to demonstrate and prove he is who he says he is. And then we come to this Sunday, and there's this lovely transition beginning with the collect and continuing through the reading from Revelation as well as the gospel this morning. And the transition is from the Lamb of God to the Good Shepherd. We heard in Revelation uh, the Lamb is the Shepherd. Um, amazing thought um, that uh, the Lamb who is sacrificed is also the Shepherd who reigns. Um, it, it's a wonderful um, duality of the person of Jesus. Um, just as a little side note, uh, the question is asked, who are these who are in these white robes? And, and uh, the answer is, these are the ones coming out of the Great Tribulation. And, of course, people puzzle about, well, what is the Great Tribulation? And my favorite answer, and the one that I lay hold of, is the Great Tribulation is the time between the first coming of Jesus, first century, and the return of Jesus, whenever that will be. He will come again. So we are living in the time of the Great Tribulation. And we can look all around us and see the tribulation. Uh, Ukraine is just right in front of our eyes right now and seeing uh, darkness and evil as it continues to raise its head and continues, uh, you know, we, um, the already not yet nature of the establishment of Christ's kingdom. Um, but those coming out of the great tribulation are um, our loved ones who have departed this life. They've, they've, they've made it out of the tribulation. They're washed in the blood of the Lamb. They wear white robes, just purity and gladness and joy, and they're there before the throne celebrating Jesus and celebrating, no doubt, their re reunion with one another as well. Wow. So the gospel continues this theme for this fourth Sunday of Easter, this fourth week of Easter, and that is the Good Shepherd. 
that I am the good shepherd. There are those who do not know me because they do not recognize my voice, but there are those who do know me and they follow me and I will take care of them. And we heard today in thinking in context of Dale, uh, his departure um, said, and I give them eternal life. I mean, uh, there is this wonderful gift that's bestowed on those who have known the Lord Jesus's voice. And I love um, the last line. This, this passage builds really to kind of a crescendo because Jesus is uh, there in Jerusalem. He's in the temple. These authorities are offended by him. They're put off by him. You know, tell, are you really the Christ? Are you really, you know, the one sent, the anointed one? And he says, I tell you, but you don't believe. I mean, this is a conflicted relationship again going on between the temple authorities and Jesus himself. And so to, just to um, add fuel to the fire, what is the last thing he says in this gospel reading? I and the Father are one. That is a stunning statement. I mean, that is overwhelming. And as he's speaking into the face of the, the opposition, the authorities, the temple leaders, the Pharisees, anyone who's gathered there who do not have the ears of a sheep, but uh, have ears that do not hear, and he declares, God and I are one and the same. I and the Father are one. I, I went home yesterday and asked Ellen, I thought I knew the answer to this. I said, is that good grammar? And because uh, Ellen, for our 42 years of marriage, when I preach, when I get home, she said, Mike, you said me, you should have said I. Or you said I, and you should have said me. It's after a preposition or what, you know. I said, okay, all right, I'll try again. We're still trying on that. So I, I thought I'd be proactive. And I said, so is that good grammar? And uh, is it Jesus or is it John's fault, the, the author? Did he? But uh, she said, no, that's not good grammar. It should be the Father and I are one. Uh, but um, I had fun. I can just read a smattering of Greek still. So I looked up the Greek before this service. And indeed, it says, ego, I, um, a, and uh, Ha Petros, I and the Father are one. So that's the way John recorded that Jesus said, said it. If we think that Jesus just had to be perfect, and so he couldn't ever have had a grammatical error, well, then John got it backwards and did it wrong. But there is something quite potent and powerful that Jesus, um, in his relationship and associating himself with God the Father, God the Creator, God the Almighty, uh, just... You know, this stupendous, holy other that is, uh, has made this whole created universe. And, uh, and Jesus says, I and that one, we are one. And then that gives to us a huge pinhole to look through to see a whole nother reality and understand Jesus in a whole nother way and understand our Father in heaven. Jesus says in another place, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Here he says, I and the Father are one. There are people all over the world, in all cultures, all across the United States, who says, how can you know who God is? Or I don't believe there is a God. Or if there was a creator, he made this place and then he's disappeared. He's, he's out of action. Or he's a hateful, angry God. Look, how would he allow all this disease and awful stuff to happen? There are all these images of God that are distorted and they are incorrect according to the gospel and according to our faith. And here we have this wonderful picture. You want to know what God the creator is like? You want to know what God the almighty is like? What would he look like if he were a human being? And we have the answer. 
this is what he would look like. Jesus, full of compassion and mercy. Jesus, always open to interruptions. The woman with the issue of blood that reaches out and says, if only I touch his garment. And in the midst of all that crowd, he focuses on this one individual. Zacchaeus, who's up in the tree, and Jesus notices him. He's the outcast. He's the tax collector that nobody likes. And Jesus notices him. He probably notes that Zacchaeus is listening to Jesus' words and realizes there's a prospect here for conversion. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house today. He, just, just every story of Jesus are, are stories of love and compassion. And the only place where he gets angry is with excessive self-righteousness. That ticks him off, apparently. And, uh, and I'm proud of Jesus that he's like that. He gets ticked off with self, excessive self-righteousness. When, when we have a plank in our own eye and we're judging all these other people, he gets ticked off. What about his stories, his parables? The story of the Good Samaritan. Um, uh, the story of the mustard seed. He gives all these wonderful images and stories that uh, describe even further God's graciousness, God's goodness, God's wonder. So we can know all about God the Almighty. He's not merely the wrathful God. He doesn't like sin. He's not merely a creator God who withdraws from the universe. Um, he really does exist. And Jesus gives us all the answers to our questions. What is God like? Full of love, full of mercy, utterly holy, holy other, but utterly holy, utterly pure. Uh, we get all this uh, in the face, the teaching, the actions of Jesus. So when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, we excuse the grammar and we realize that there's something really important being said here. And we can now look through that pinhole of the life of Jesus and see the majesty and greatness and glory of our, our Father in heaven. No wonder in the Revelation reading, everybody is simply singing praises. You know, laud and honor and glory and praise be to this, uh, this creator God. It's a beautiful picture, and we are invited to be a part of it. We're invited to live in it now in our present lives, and we're invited to be expectant hopeful and expectant that when our end comes, it is only the beginning of a glorious life. What a God we serve. What a God he is. And his precious son, our brother, our Lord, our Savior, the Lamb of God, and our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It brings it. I didn't bring the prayer sheet of the sick. I thought I did. Do you have it? I'll go get it. Before we begin this litany, uh, I need the sheet of prayers of, of our folks that we're praying for. So Gary is going to get it for me. I thought I brought it up here, but it's not in front of me now.